Hallelujah. It's a good day, amen? amen? It's a good day. Hallelujah. Well, I got something I want to share with you. I'm really just going to, in a sense, just water you with the word. Um, I don't have, like, necessarily a, a message, in a sense, with all these different points, you know, out, and I do believe in, in kind of line upon line and in that way, but I just felt like, I just want to take you on a little bit of a journey here, but before we do that, let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you once again for your presence, that you know how to excite our hearts, you know how to calm our hearts, you know how to lead our hearts. That's exactly what we need, Lord. You are the ultimate balance, Lord God, and, and we need balance in our lives, Lord, to know when to run, to know when to sit, to stand up, to stand still, uh, to fight for something, Lord God, and to let it go. And you're the one that helps us with all this. By the power of your spirit, you lead us into all the truth. So here we are today, Lord God. We're here and we just say, Father, to those that know you and to those who may be here and, and don't know you yet, Lord God, we just want to be open to you, to hear. We want to be open. Lord, we know that you speak our language. So we just, we just open the door of our heart or we crack the door or we unlock the door. But we know you're coming to knock and we anticipate an encounter with you, just experiencing you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, this, this whole year we've been in uh, a theme, really, on hope and freedom, and we've been doing this, at least when I've been in teaching, um, we've been learning this together, so if you're here for the first time, um, uh, you can sing this along with us, but we have three different scriptures that we've been learning together, and the first one is Romans 15, 13, if we can get that up. Just look at that beautiful picture while we're getting it up. Hallelujah. And you can use, I think I had it in the, in the other slide there, too. You could have left it in there. It was in there. <clears throat> it was in my sermon notes at the top. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to, you know, got to push the pause button and just kind of like, hey, it's all right. It's all good. There we go. Let's say this together. Ready? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have John, or Galatians, Galatians 5.1. Here we go. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And then John 8. 31, 32. Here we go. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. <sighs> There's power in the word of God. And man, I just, 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 just the hope and the freedom, I mean, you see it right there at the cross. You see it right there at the resurrection. You see it in, in the baptism of us being joined with God and his death of Christ and, and his resurrection, that hope in that freedom. 
and, and hope is one of the eternal things because, you know, the Apostle Paul said that there's these, strings, these three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of those is love, but they're eternal. You always need hope. If it's eternal, that means we'll still be using hope when we're in heaven. We'll still be using hope whenever we are reigning here on earth with Christ and expanding his kingdom. And while we're here, we always need more freedom. Whether you don't know God or you do know God, you always need more freedom in your life. There is more to gain in him. Because this world just, it tries its best to get us down. It tries its best to hold us under. But God is bigger than all that. And his truth will lead us into freedom. That's why it's so important to stay around the word of God. Can you say amen? But I want to look at the cross and the resurrection today. And, uh, you know, as I begin to think about the cross, um, and there could be other ways that you could, you could so this is just my own insight of it, but I believe there's really only two ways to look at the cross. One of them, you can look at the cross as a notice of debt that you owe. She'll never be able to pay. This is the, this is the weight of sin on the body of Christ. And what's that old song? I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt I could not owe. I, well, no, I, I owed a debt. How'd it go? <laughs> I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid the debt I could not. He did not owe. Thank you. Thank you. See, it's been that long since I sang it. <laughs> he paid a debt he did not owe. This is, the, this is just the miraculous beauty of it, of what Christ did at the cross. So it's either a final notice of debt that we owe to God, and every one of us owes a debt to him because he created us in his image, and, and we didn't sin against God in that way to have our nature, you know, um, uh, uh, separated from him. That was Adam, but by being born from Adam, every one of us has been separated from God, and because of that separation, we have sinned by our behaviors against God. But he came to deal with not just a behavior, but the nature, the nature that has, we were born separated from him. He came to deal with that so we could come back to him, back to his original design, and have his life on the inside of us. Amen? You know, in John eleven twenty five, 25, uh, Jesus said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. This is some pretty, I mean, do you think about this? Have you just heard this? You know, we're, we're in the church and we hear stuff like this and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're hearing this for the first time, it sounds like, what are you talking about? I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is what Jesus was speaking to Martha because her brother Lazarus had died. And they were saying, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And this is what he responded to her. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live even if you die. This is an eternal principle because there is life past this life. There's an eternal life. 
In this world, we go through horrific things. There's people that have, we've all just different things that we've walked through that could be very traumatic. And there's things that people have been through worse than what we've experienced, just horrendous things. But no matter what happens in this life, nothing can be compared when we have our faith in Jesus to the glory that will be revealed to us for all eternity. Are you with me? So he asked this question to Martha, do you believe this? And it, it, it's hard to believe with, with your mind. You can't mentally ascend to the things of God. It has to be believed in with your spirit. So the cross is like the final notice of a debt you owe, or it can be a reminder of your debt being totally paid for. Which one do you think God wants you to believe in? Well, both of them, because there's a debt you owe, and he's the one that paid that debt, putting your trust in him. So I want to look at real quick, kind of like a, there's a law of sin and death, and then there's a law of the spirit of life. In John 1.17, uh, in the Gospel of John, he says this, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. You know, people didn't understand true grace and really the truth until Jesus came on the scene. When he came on the scene, they really began to understand how gracious and the truth of God, of, of, of God really what the truth was. And some of, those, some of the disciples and some of the people even at that time had a hard time believing because, you know, they believed that Jesus was coming to overthrow the world right then and there, but he didn't do that. He did it even better. He got rid of sin for the whole world if we'll believe in him. Are you with me? The law was given through Moses. The law, the law, all the law can do is point to sin. That's all it can do. All the law is, is there to do is to prove that every one of us have been separated from God and that we need, need him. And they went through their rituals, and I'm glad we don't have to go through all that today. I'm glad I don't have to go out and buy a heifer and take it in and, and have it slaughtered and get you know, turtle doves and all these different things and, and do this. How about you ladies? Every time you had your female stuff, you had to do this every single month, at least that and beyond, whatever. If you committed sins, oh, I got to go get another cow. Oh, I got to get a goat. Oh, I got to get this. Thank the Lord that is done away with because of the true sacrifice. But in the law, even when they did this, they still, their, their, their conscience was still a sin conscience. They, they knew that they weren't totally made right with God. It was still there. They were reminded by the law that they had a debt to God. That's where grace comes in. That's where truth comes in. Jesus came to pay the penalty of, of the law or really fulfill the requirements of the law that was impossible for anybody to fulfill. Every single person on the face of the earth has broken the law. If you take those 10 commandments, we've broken them. And the Bible says if you've broken one, one, you've broken all of them. And there's like, I don't know how many different uh, laws that there are, 600,000 or something like that. I don't know, not 600,000, but like 600 to 1,000 or something like that. Uh, 613, there it is. But Jesus came in his grace, his divine enablement, and his truth, it were realized through him. Listen to this scripture, Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is no condemnation, that's judgment, for those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was perfect, but he put on flesh so that he could actually legally 
pay the penalty for us. He had to be in the flesh to be able to pay the penalty for us. He took on the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned and judged sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Not according to the law, but according to the law of life that is in Christ Jesus. We're, we're not walking according, you know, we still, sometimes even as believers, if you're in here this morning, you're a believer, sometimes we as believers, we still think, if I just do this, then God will do this. Or if I just pray hard enough, or if I just do this, then these things will happen. It's not on our effort. It doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play in partnership with God, but it's not your effort that makes things happen with God. It's your faith in what Jesus has already done that makes things available to you. See, it has to be, it has to be, you have to, your faith has to be exhibited and, and really, you know, uh, used. It, it's, it has nothing to do with your own flesh or, or your own ability or your own strength or your, or your mental capacity or, or just your, your own giftings and talents and things that you can do on your own. It's this intangible, invisible thing called faith from your spirit that you believe what God says about who he is, who his son is, and who you are. And you grab a hold of it with, with this intangible thing, your spirit, the spirit that God has given you to believe. And it makes no sense to your mind. You can, you can burst blood vessels trying to wrap this around your mind. It don't make sense with your mind. It's not supposed to make sense with your mind until you believe. That's why it says in Hebrews, by faith we understand. It takes faith first to get the understanding. When you step out in faith and you believe God in your spirit to believe what he's saying, all of a sudden, you, your mind begins to be able to understand. Okay, I don't, it's not like you understand the whole thing of it. It's just like, no, it, it settles it for me. And you begin to experience his life. This is the law of life in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? The thing that blows my mind is that you know, people can look at things like, you know, oh, you know, you know, why did God give us the law, you know, to prove us, you know, that we didn't need this. And all of a sudden, you know, if, if Adam sinned and that became part of my lineage and I was separated from God because, you know, because of his sin, it, it don't seem fair. Well, God saw all this before he even created the world. In Revelations, it talks about the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Before the world was even created, he had already, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, had already predetermined that Jesus was going to come and die because they already knew by giving man a free will that he was going to mess it up. There's just something about, we just don't know how to handle power. <laughs> this, this blows my mind because before he even created us, he knew that Adam was going to sin. Adam wasn't going to be able to handle it. Eve, together, they were going to disobey God. But still, out of his great love, he still chose to create us. And he already formulated a plan before they even sinned that he was going to redeem us back to him. And he had this magnificent plan on what he was going to do. And through eons of time and just you know different dispensations at the right time the bible says at the right time christ came and died for us it's hard to understand up here but he did it there was no way to come back to him. there was no way for us to be made right with god without christ himself coming and doing this it was perfect 
All we have to do is believe. Romans 4.25 says this. Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. It's because of our sin. And he was raised back to life to prove that we were made right with God. It's easy for someone to die. There were thousands, maybe even, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of people that died on the Roman cross. Who knows? They say that, you know, um, history says, you know, I don't know where it is right now, but, you know, that really the olive groves and stuff like that were really cut bare because of all the crosses that they had made in order to execute people. There were a lot of people that died. It's easy to say you're the savior of the world and just die. How do you know? But to raise from the dead, that's different. And I love this about Jesus because there were several accounts in Scripture where Jesus you know, raised people from the dead. The first one was really Jairus' daughter. She was only, only dead just really moments. So you know, within an hour or so uh, of her dying, he came and he raised her from the dead. And I don't know, you know, Scripture doesn't say, but it's kind of like I see Jesus exercising his faith too. He raised this girl from the dead. And then he, uh, several chapters later, he's in the, the city called Nain, and there's, there was a young man that had died, and they were, he was already in the coffin. So it's hours or even maybe a day that he's been dead, and he's being escorted out. There's a procession for him to be buried. And Jesus stopped the coffin and he raised him from the dead. And then we see Lazarus that he raises from the dead four days later. I don't know. I had a, a friend in ministry that brought this thought to me saying, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, how Jesus is doing. I mean, he's exercising his faith too as a son of God. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to be, according to scripture, I'm going to be in the grave three times. Well, I raised someone that's only an hour or so dead or raised someone that's maybe a day or so dead. Hey, if I can raise Lazarus after four days dead, I can easily come out of the grave. I don't know. But he did. And just like that song we said in the beginning, how do you know he's alive? I'm the proof that he's alive. You're the proof that he's alive. And you may not be able to see it. If you grew up with me and you knew me before I was saved, I'm a totally different person than when I, when, before I got saved. I know. I can't go back. I'm making decisions now that are totally different from what I used to make. Because I want to do them for him. I don't want to do them for myself anymore. I don't want to live for me. I got this eternal perspective. Amen? We have to put our faith in him. Then there's this mystery of Christ's death and resurrection. It's beautiful. Second Corinthians, you've heard this. I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. The King James Version says, old things have passed away. All things have become new. This is talking directly about your old nature of sin that has separated us from God and now a new nature because of your faith in Jesus Christ that you get when the Spirit of God comes to dwell and live on the inside of you. Really resurrecting your spirit and making you one with God. It's beautiful. It don't make sense to the mind. Nicodemus had problems with this too. He was a, you know, a, a scholar in his day and uh, very zealous you know, for the word of God. He, he served Jehovah. He, he was a teacher of teachers, you know, teaching people the way, teaching the law. But there was this conflict between the law of his mind, what he could understand with his mind, and the conflict of the hunger that was in his spirit that was separated from God. This conflict... 
And we all come into that conflict somewhere along the line where it's just like, you know, we understand here, but there comes that element. There's things that you just don't understand, but yet there's this hunger and this gnawing inside that there has got to be more. And that more is only satisfied and filled in the person of Jesus Christ. That is it. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. Your faith in him alone. You chase everything else down, it's going to be void. It don't matter what it is. He's the only one that satisfies. I know, maybe you know already too, there were many things I chased in my life. Relationships, music, the, all these other things that I thought, if I just get that, I'm going to be happier. If I just get that, it's going to make my life different. Or if I just get that, I'll, I'll finally be filled and satisfied. And I never was. Because they're all material things just to be used. And it never, it really just, you know, it can satisfy your flesh and it can satisfy your soul for a moment and then it's used up and it's dry. The only thing that satisfies is Jesus. He comes to live on the inside of you by his spirit. That's that wells of, of salvation, that, that rivers of living water that whelm up from the inside that never run dry become a new creation. Here's Nicodemus. He, he goes to Jesus and he's, you know, just questioning because he, he don't know what to do with this. He's just like, Lord, I, I know you're a teacher. And, he, and he's, in, he's with this group of other uh, Pharisees and Sadducees that think Jesus is a heretic. And he's like, this man can't be a heretic. Look what he is doing. We've never heard of anybody doing the things that he is doing. I mean, one person even said, a witness says, you know, will the Messiah do any more miracles than this if he's not the Messiah? He's like, there's this conflict because he had this, this, this knowledge. He knew enough of the word and he was humble enough to be able to say something, something's out of line here. I, I need to know the truth. And he went humbly to Jesus to ask. And Jesus just gets right to the point. He's like, Nicodemus, you're, kinda, you know, you're going through these things. It's your mind and your spirit. But unless you're born again, you can't, um, you can't see the kingdom of God. <laughs> what are you talking about? Being born again. I don't want to be born again. I don't want to go through teenagers again. That's horrible. Hairdos and 70s and man, all the, I hated the 70s clothes. I hope they never come back. They were horrible. 70s couches, they were itchy and hurt. Then you got, you got to wear shorts that were like clear up to here and tube socks that were clear to here. It was embarrassing to be a man. It was horrible. And then you sit on these couches that were just rough and all these patterns. You're like, oh, it just hurts laying here. I mean, we never took naps. It was just horrible. Maybe they did it that way on purpose. I don't know. Right? I don't even know where I was going now. Born again. Born again. Teenage, that's it. Thank you. We're helping each other. You got to be born again or you won't see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. You have to see. This is that element of faith. You have to believe before you see. What did Jesus tell Thomas? You believe because you've seen, but more blessed are those who believe without seeing. They don't see with these eyes. They see with these eyes. It's the eyes of the Spirit, that it's true. It's true. Then he tells Nicodemus, because he's talking about, you know, how can you be born again? You got to go back in your mother's womb and like, no, no, Nicodemus, I'm not going to do that to you or your mother. <laughs> Unless someone is born of water and spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
says that the, the, the water is like the washing. Just, you're trusting in God's word, that water. And then obviously the spirit coming to dwell on the inside of you. You, you have to be born again. That's where we get to the place where it says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, by his doing, by God the Father's doing, you are in Christ. When you, when you believed, it don't make sense to your mind, but when the day that you choose to believe, that you chose to believe that Jesus was who he says he was, you didn't totally understand everything. I know you didn't. I didn't. I just knew that I was separated from God and that I could not do life anymore without him. And that was my, that was my, my sinner's prayer to him, if you want to say. I just said, God, I can't do it anymore on my own. Whatever you want to do, I'll do it. I just surrendered. It's about a surrendered heart. And I don't understand it. I didn't understand everything that I was going to walk through. I didn't understand at that time all the, you know, the different things as you're growing in, in your faith and so forth up to this point. I didn't know that. I just knew that I didn't have God and I needed him. And I said yes. And no matter what I've been through in my life, and you can say the same thing. I know you can. No matter what you've been through in your life, unless the enemy's got in there and kind of twisted some things, God has been there the whole while. And it, it's been so different, even though you've had to walk through some things. And maybe God allowed some things to happen in your life, not that he put things on you. But you are who you are today because of his leading and his mercy and his grace. Hallelujah. So by his doing, we are in Christ, and we believe in him. He put us. I, I, I can't even wrap my mind around it now. I just, I just know it inside. It's hard for me in my mental capacity to understand that on that day in Daytona Beach in 1995, it'll be 28 years coming at the end of May, that 28 years ago when I was crying out on the beach of Daytona and I said yes to him that he put me in Christ over 2,000 years ago on the cross and my old nature died. And it just didn't die. I died to my old nature. But he made me alive in Jesus. He rose me from the grave. He rose you from the grave as your faith is in him. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, The one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. When you join yourself, that's that confession of faith. I'm joining myself to you. I'm joining myself to believe that you are who you say you are. We have to answer that same question, every single one of us, whether we're saved or unsaved. Obviously, if we're unsaved, we have to answer it first, but we still, as we're believers, we still, when we're facing things that come against us that we don't understand, we still have to ask the same question. Are you still the Messiah? Yes. You know, John got offended John the Baptist, that's what Jesus said. He got offended because his ministry was stopping and everybody began to follow Jesus and he sent disciples to him and he already proclaimed it and said, hey, you know, look, here's the one. He's, he's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then he sends his disciples to Jesus and says, ask him if he's still the one or if we need to look for another. And Jesus' response to him was, hang on a second. And he healed a person, you know, and a disease, you know, and, and raising the dead, whatever, all this going on. He says, Give John witness of what just happened. Those, you know, giving the good news preached to them. The sickness, sick are being healed. The dead are raised from the, from the uh, those are raised from the dead. He goes, go back and tell him, and blessed are those who don't take offense at me. See, we can go through things even as believers, and we'll wonder, is my old nature really dead? The truth is, yes, if you believe in Jesus. You may have some old nature habits 
that he's teaching us how to live in righteousness, how to walk out the new man. There may be some old nature habits, but according to what he says, this is what God says, not what we try to make up. He said we are dead in Christ and that we're risen in his resurrection. These are things that we've been trying to talk about at the beginning of this year, and I think we'll continue to go on because this is, especially as a church, we can't walk around as a dead church. We've got to walk around as a live church. And to walk around as a live church, we've got to start, stop thinking that our old nature is still alive when it's dead. And stop concentrating on all those, all those habits and those thoughts that the enemy would try to bring and start concentrating on the new man in Christ, what he says. As long as we're meditating in the graveyard, how will we ever be able to experience life? So the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. How do you join yourself to the Lord? It's very simple. You know, we, we ask them today. It's the same thing for salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You've heard this if you've been in the church any length of time. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What happens there in that word? You will be saved. You will get a new nature. God will come to live on the inside of you. And it's just like that other scripture that we said, old things pass away, all things become new. You begin to think differently. You begin to see differently. You begin to hear differently. You begin to want to live differently because you are no longer dead. You are alive. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And just three verses later, he says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome. Don't, it's not up here. It's in here. So I want to tie this together with our baptism this morning. This is what it looks, what being joined to Christ looks like from God's perspective. This is Romans 6. When you were joined with Christ in baptism... We joined him in his death. For he died, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. It was impossible before. Now we're able to live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. And this, is, this is kind of a twofold thing in here. If you're going to study out resurrection, it's number one, obviously our spirit man gets resurrected because he comes to live on the inside of us. But unless Christ comes back soon, we will die. But when he eventually comes and his kingdom comes on this earth, we will also get these bodies back. But don't worry. If you don't like your body, it will be glorified. Amen. Someone said, woo! Somebody wants to run the aisles now. <laughs> <laughs> it will be glorified. He's coming back. These are things that the, ch the church at large has slipped away from a little bit, but Jesus is coming back. Amen. And he's not here. He didn't die on the cross just to help us in this life. 
There's, that's behavioral things. And, and, and don't get me wrong, he wants to help us in the life and, and he wants us to be an example to others and he, and he wants us to prosper and, and, and all these things, but that's not the focus. He came because if we didn't accept him while we were in this life on this earth, we would die and then be dead for eternity in hell. And that's like, you know, the death is, in a sense, your spirit man is always gonna continue to live. Your soul will live on. You'll have this body. And the Bible says, you can search it out yourself. There's a resurrection of the dead and there's a resurrection of the righteous. Those who died in faith, believing in God. Obviously, our soul and our spirit, your spirit goes back to God. Your soul is that your mind, your will, and your emotion. How it works, I don't know. We can see things. Obviously, Jesus talked about, it's the only person whenever he gave a story that he actually talked about someone's name specifically. He used Lazarus, who's actually in the Bible. He talked about him being in Hades or being, you know, in paradise, there was a separation there. You can read it yourself. But he had his senses. He could feel the, the, the rich man that went to hell. He could feel. He could sense. He could see. He remembered all these things. And he was in torment, he said. He was in torment. Jesus don't want that for us. That's why he came and died on the cross. We have to choose him in this life so that we can experience his life eternal in the next don't make sense here. Totally makes sense here. Verse number six. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. That will make someone shout right there. We were crucified so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We may yield to it, but we're no longer slaves to it. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we, we also know we will live with him. And we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. For when he died, he died once to, to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. This is a powerful verse. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. This, this is a statement specifically for believers that we're still, even though sin don't have power over us, we're still yielding to something that is dead. We're to consider ourselves to be dead to sin. Our old nature has, when Christ did it, he, he totally done away with it. He, he totally, it was, it was finished. He completed it. Nothing else is coming to take this away. He's already dealt with. We have to agree with what he's dealt with. And we become alive to him through Christ Jesus. Paul sums it up well when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Would you stand up this morning? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, the truth that's in your word, Lord. And I, and I pray, Lord God, and I believe, Father, that we as your sons and daughters, Lord God, may come to know you even more and this revelation of what you have totally done. You don't want us to continue to struggle with sin when sin has been dealt with. You want us to live under righteousness and allow your power, it's your ability, it's your strength 
to live through us. It's, it's no longer our lives. We give our lives to you. Forgive us if we have still been trying to live our own life. When you want us to live the life that you died to give us. I don't know if you're in here and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. could be that the Holy Spirit right now, you got this unction inside of you. So you can feel it in your, your heart, your chest. You can feel it in your stomach. Just this, this unsettling. I believe those things are the Holy Spirit dealing with us to surrender our lives to Him. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you did know him at one time, but it's been, it's been some time. You've been living your own life. You've walked away. You, still, you feel so disconnected from God. And today, the Holy Spirit, out of God's love, he's reaching out to you and saying, I want you to come back, or I want you to come for the first time. If that's you, would you just be so bold? There's no, there's no shame. There's no guilt. This is a, a time of rejoicing when, when, when we respond to God for the first time or coming back to him. If that's you and you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'll pray for you right where you're at. If that's you, say, that's me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. Or I want to come back to him. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. If that's you. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I see a hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? We rejoice in you, Jesus. We thank you. We're going to have the altar team come forward in just a moment. And those, if you've raised your hand or you, you didn't raise your hand, but you want to come forward, you can come and they can pray with you. But let's pray this together. And the power in this prayer is really just in your faith and believing and we'll just use what the scripture says you can't get any any closer than just using the word of God just say Father God I come to you and I repent I repent of my sin and I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and my God make me new I believe Jesus that you are Lord I believe that you died for sin, my sin, on the cross. I confess that you were raised from the dead by the power of God the Father, and that I died with you on the cross, and that in you I am made alive and new. Old things pass away. All things become new. In Jesus' name. Amen.